Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Becky Brown. I'm one of the associate pastors here at First United Methodist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina. You're about to listen to the sermon from worship this week. You can also watch this service online through our YouTube channel. You can just search FUMC Waynesville on YouTube or join us in person at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. every Sunday. Thanks for listening, and we hope this sermon challenges, inspires, and invigorates your faith. May God bless you. They were worried about the people. That's why they came at night. It was a covert operation, and they had an agenda. They wanted Jesus dead, and they were worried about the people. So they brought Jesus to trial secretly. Now, Jesus had done a lot of things, and one of them was he called them out. He challenged their authority. He challenged their behavior. He even called them hypocrites. You know, so for example, um, he, he said the way they practiced their spiritual disciplines, like prayer and fasting and tithing, like, he said they were just doing that for show. Like, they just were worried about the people, worried about what the people saw them doing. And Jesus was just reminding them that this was a matter of the heart and that it mattered what God saw them doing. Once he was uh, teaching in, in a synagogue on a Sabbath day, and all of a sudden, there she came. Um, this, this woman was, was bent over and she couldn't stand up straight. And, and she had been like this for 18 years. And so Jesus just shouts out when he sees her, like, woman, you are set free from this ailment. And then he laid hands on her. And immediately uh, she was healed. Immediately she was able to stand up straight and she started praising God. Well, the leader of the synagogue, he was really upset. He was ticked. Six days, he started saying to the crowd, six days work can be done. If you want to be cured, come on one of those days and not on the Sabbath day. Well, that stuck in Jesus' craw. And so he pushes back and he says, you hypocrites. He, he surely had raised his voice at them and says, you untie your ox and your donkey from the manger and, and on the Sabbath day you lead it uh, to water? Like, this woman, what about this woman? She has suffered from this thing for 18 long years. She too is a daughter of Abraham. Doesn't she deserve to be set free on the Sabbath day? Well, Jesus' opponents were put to shame and he made it quite clear that people, like, that they matter. Sometimes people matter more than our interpretation or enforcement of things like Sabbath law and doctrine. Now, it was a pretty big claim. Well, another thing is that Jesus hobnobbed with the wrong people. The religious leaders, like, they were worried about the people, especially the unclean ones. And Jesus hung out with them all the time. He wasn't worried about them so much. He had dinner one time with Simon the leper. Simon the leper. 
Isn't that crazy? And he had a lengthy theological conversation uh, with a Samaritan woman at the well, an encounter that had layers of problems. She was a, a Samaritan, so it was a racial problem. She was a woman, so it was a gender problem. And, you know, she was uh, undoubtedly considered a sinful person and was kind of pushed to the fringes of the community. So it was a hang out with sinful people problem, uh, which Jesus also did uh, quite a bit. There's a, a story in Luke's Gospel. It's Luke chapter 10. If you're not familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan, I would, I would encourage you to read it. There's, just, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of points to this that we won't cover today. Um, but this lawyer who, you know, is in that group of, of religious folks, he knows all the laws of the Torah and um, all the prophets. And so like with the scribes and the priests and the religious orders like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, they're always trying to test Jesus. And so this lawyer is, is, approaches Jesus to test him. And essentially, uh, in response to what Jesus is, has been saying, well, you know, who is my neighbor? And so um, Jesus tells this story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And a man is going from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he falls among bandits, and they beat him, and they rob him, and he's, they've left him for dead. He's in the ditch. A priest comes by, and the priest sees the person in the ditch, goes over to the other side, and goes on his way. Not long after that, a Levite comes, and a Levite would be in that same group of, you know, of folks who have religious responsibilities and duties, um, clergy kind of types. Does the same thing. Uh, sees the guy, crosses over to the other side, and goes on his way. And so, so the, the point of, of Jesus' parable, especially to these guys, is like, you are so worried about your, your duties, your religious duties, that you have no compassion and you leave this poor soul in the ditch. Uh, one thing that got Jesus in trouble a lot and that raised the ire of the priests was his attitude and relationship with the temple. Now that was a big deal. Uh, Jesus would say things oftentimes um, that, would, that would frustrate them, but he would do some things too. Probably the biggest one is the story where Jesus uh, cleanses the temple. He's just come into Jerusalem. It's the last week of his life. Uh, he goes in the temple and he's frustrated to say the least. He, he starts driving people out of there, uh, driving out the people who are buying things, driving out the people who are selling things. Uh, he turns over the tables of the money changers. He knocks over the chairs of the, of the people who were selling doves. And Mark, Mark says that the chief priests, like they wanted to kill him right then. They were looking for a way to get rid of him, um, but, but they couldn't. They were worried about the people. They were afraid of the people. And the people, I mean, they were mesmerized. They were spellbound by Jesus' teaching. Now, all this happened in, in what they call the court of the Gentiles, which is also the, the court of the nations, is, is what that meant. It was that place um, where anybody can come. It was open to all people. And this was also the place where you would find, and there were lots of them, the, the finance offices of the merchants who were selling things there, also the offices for the money changers. There was a, 
there was a tax that the temple would put on people. And, and because of that tax, the temple was the wealthiest of the institutions in, in all of Jerusalem. And so, there's this 10-foot marble fence that encircled the, the sanctuary in the court of the Gentiles. And, and engraved in Latin and Greek on this fence were these warnings to all of the foreigners. If you weren't a Jew, you were not allowed to step foot on the other side of that wall. Uh, you're not welcome here. And these warnings said, if you do come in here, uh, you will die. You'll be put to death. And, and you remember in this story, um, as, as Jesus is physically responding to the temple in this way, the words that he speaks to them is, God says, this is, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. And you've just made it a den of robbers. So Jesus is on trial, and after that incident, Mark tells us that you know, they had been looking for a way to, uh, to kill Jesus by stealth, uh, but they were worried that the people would riot, which means they were worried about the Romans, which means they were worried about losing all they had, all of their power, all of their wealth. So it was a secret operation. After this prayer meeting in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus' subsequent arrest, he's taken to the high priest's place. And, and uh, at, at the house of the high priest, the chief priests were there, the scribes were there, the elders were there, and they were all assembled uh, and, and they were waiting. Now this group was known as the Sanhedrin and they were the, the ruling council uh, of Jerusalem. And they had control over the temple and, and over the religious courts. And at this trial, their secret agenda was no longer secret. We heard it in our text. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. Now it's important for us to know some of their rules. No trial could be held at night or during an important religious festival. If someone was found guilty and the death penalty was the verdict, the Sanhedrin could not issue that verdict uh, until the next day. They had, to, they had to let it sit overnight. And their rules required that there had to be at least two witnesses and that every detail of these witnesses uh, had to line up. If somebody gave a false witness, then they were to receive the same punishment that the person on, on uh, trial uh, received. And so, remembering the story from our text, uh, this group that tried Jesus at night during an important festival, uh, receiving an immediate verdict of death penalty in the midst of false witnesses, <laughs> They clearly were not concerned with a fair trial. They just wanted Jesus dead. But the problem is, the Sanhedrin, under Roman occupation, they had limited power. Now, they had the power to give this kind of sentence, but they had no power to, to carry it out. Only the Romans could execute people. And in the next 
few weeks, uh, we'll see this story unfold. How a very dark night slowly turns to day. Well, Peter, Peter's right in the middle of all of this. What do we do with Peter? <laughs> I, I wonder if Jesus said that all the time. Peter, what am I going to do with you? Well, what happened to me when I really focused on this story, and when I, you know, try to assume the best about Peter, like, I was taken by his bravery. I mean, he followed Jesus at a distance, but he followed him right into the high priest's courtyard. That's a pretty brave thing to do. And he's warming himself by the fire, and it says that he was sitting with the guards. And I thought, that sounds like something right out of a spy novel. And so I wondered, what if Peter wasn't denying Jesus at all? What if he was just, you know, protecting his cover? Like he was really there to try to spring Jesus from the dungeon. Probably Jesus had been lowered into this kind of well-type pit where they would, would, would hold him and, until the trial was over. So that maybe Peter was just trying to find his moment to lower the rope and to get Jesus out of there. Wouldn't that be cool? I was telling Rachel Cease about this the other day. She didn't say anything. She just kind of had that almost imperceptible shake of the head. And the way she looked at me was like, there is something really wrong with you. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, when the rooster crowed, it says that Peter wept bitterly. And I guess if he was doing the James Bond thing, uh, that would have never happened. So he denies Jesus three times. But you know, he, he didn't know what to do. He was just afraid. And he was confused. I mean, it had to seem like this lose-lose situation. You remember in the garden when they came to arrest Jesus? Like, Peter drew his sword. Like, that was a very brave thing to do, to, to, to see the mob coming, and he cuts off the servant's ear, and yet Jesus rebukes him for that. And so then he's running to... To, to save himself. He's fleeing for his life. And I don't know, if he had looked back while he was running, he would have seen, well, Jesus isn't running with us. You know, it was an, an awful situation. So he follows Jesus at a distance. He ends up denying Jesus three times. And he didn't know what to do. But this is the thing. He would know what to do later on. Redemption was on the horizon. Forgiveness was just around the corner. And not just for Peter. You know, the story goes and Jesus appears. And they're on the beach. They've been fishing. There's a charcoal fire. And there's broiled fish. And once dead, once crucified, now resurrected Jesus, he turns to Peter and he asks Peter three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And redemption happens. Peter says three times, 
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And each time, Jesus responds with, well, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. In other words, Peter, worry about the people. And he did. He did. Thanks be to God.